0: Jack Charlton delivered probably the most moving tribute to a teammate that I've ever heard. I was lucky enough to spend quite a lot of time with Jack during his years as an ITV pundit. But this is a memory from an after-dinner speech that he delivered shortly after the death of Bobby Moore, his teammate and captain in that England team that won the World Cup. It was the final minute of the final, England leading 3-2. Jack and Bobby had just repelled another West German attack and the ball fell to Bobby and Jack recounted how he barrowed across to Bobby. Rose dead! I.e. kick it out of the stadium. We are nearly world champions. And Bobby checked inside and looked up and found a long searching pass. And Jack yelled at him, no! And that pass, as we all know, fell to Jeff Hurst. the woodpeople people on the pitch. For Jeff went forward and scored 4-2. And it was all over. And Jack took a sip of wine before carrying on with the story. And he told us all. I still wanted to bollock him. I still wanted to tell him, don't ever do that again. And then I realised he could do that and I couldn't. He was different from me. I would never be as good as Bobby Moore. It's a very judgmental world at the moment. And a lot of us don't find enough time to look at the strengths rather than the failings of our teammates, of our colleagues, of even our closest friends. At the very moment that he was about to be crowned a world champion, the pinnacle of his career, Jack Charlton realised the strengths of a teammate, of a friend, that he would never, ever forget. I only hope that the tributes to you today, Jack, are every bit as moving and as heartfelt. I'm going to miss you. want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track! Oh!
2: Coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. And Abinelli spot's out. Emerson! A lovely story by Clive Tilsley about Jack Charlton, a football legend and Borough legend who revolutionised the Borough in the early 70s, which brought in the white band, but also a championship record break inside. Uh, may Jack rest in peace. But welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast, uh, live on Red Army Radio and on the podcast apps. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Johnny. and with Dana and Tom Green. There's no Elliot this week. Elliot is still stuck in the concourse after Borough got beat 3-1 at home to Bristol City. Um, a goal from Britta Sombolonga, which now makes it three goals and four for him uh, and three points from the week when Borough beat Millwall 2-0 at the Den um, to take us out of the relegation places. Um, but Dana, I want to chat about Bristol City today. Um, a mixed week for Borough, obviously, with the win at Millwall and the defeat today. But do you think today's performance was either a poor performance or just think we were simply outclassed by Bristol City?
1: I think we were outclassed by Bristol City. I mean, to be fair, defensively, there were a few issues. We just couldn't cope with the movement in behind. Um, It was a bad start that I never felt we could really recover from, such as the fragility of of Borough's confidence. We've seen it so many times this season. We go a goal down, our heads go down, we don't get back in the game. Um, I mean, the first goal was a great finish from Wells, but we looked sheepish. We were backing off. Nobody wanted to commit. Uh, to the press because they had constant movement in behind. The runners from midfield were, were getting in and, and exploiting those spaces. Uh, the second one from a corner, it's so disappointing because ironically, I thought our deliveries were good. Um, today, it was just McNair's were significantly worse than Johnson's. And then, you know, to get caught on the counter-attack, it's disappointing. And um, yeah, the, the hit was where it hurt. And that was the difference in the end. Uh, they had the quality and, and we didn't and summed it up with the, the third goal as well.
2: Yeah, I think with with the second goal, Tom, um, obviously the first one's an absolute screamer. Stjanovic has absolutely no chance. Uh, but do you think Dejan could have done better for the second goal,
3: especially being beaten at your near post as well? Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the BBC commentators said it um, after it had just happened, like you need to look at the positioning from from there. And definitely after that one winning, I was thinking, how on earth is that winning? Because I wouldn't have expected anyone to shoot from there, never mind it going to the top corner. It's like it's like watching me on a Tuesday night that against you back
2: in the day. That's why I <laughs> asked you the question. Um but obviously with with that in mind, you you're 2 0 down. Um obviously the second goal is against the runner player, especially when Borough were trying we'll get we're getting back into the game. You had the chance with Savile, a Dale Fry miss, which nearly hit me in the face when I was sat on the couch. Um he's gonna have to pay for a new window now. Um, <clears> but obviously with that is Daniel, was it a case of if you what happens when you don't take your chances you just simply get punished
1: yeah exactly that's that's exactly what it was i think bristol city took their chances at half time. we had eight uh six shots i think and one on target and they had eight and five on target don't know what the stats were full-time to be honest i stopped watching about 67 minutes i thought yeah this is game over but uh they just had the quality and we spoke about jamie patterson in the group chat the type of player that borough want you know the from set pieces he's got the quality in and abundance and, and he showed that today and and like I said I think for our corners particularly Johnson's we were obviously targeting Dan Bentley I think he, he is a shaky goalkeeper I told uh, I think I said in the reverse fixture he's he's a shaky goalkeeper but we just didn't have the the cutting edge and that's why we're the lowest scorers in in the division it's just typical Borough in that aspect isn't it a bit toothless up front well a lot toothless up front
2: yeah, I think Toothless, I think, is is being is being very kind to be honest. But also think uh Tom, with Neil Warnock coming in now, it's it's two wins and three defeats. Um can you see any improvement in this borough side since Neil Warnock took over, or do you still think that the the main issues are, are still lying bare?
3: I think we, we do look a bit more organized and I think we look a bit more dangerous from set pieces. I think we saw that in in the match today. Um, you know, we, we had something like eight corners in the first half or something, didn't we? And, and they were all kind of like swung in, targeting the keeper. Um, at one point, I did think Savile had scored, and it was great save from, from their keeper. But uh, then obviously, we get hit on the counter attack and going at, at half time with two things disappointment and the urge to order some off just Eat. But um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely say we, we look more organised defensively. Um, there were there was a game, oh, it was the Stoke game, where we were throwing ourselves in front of uh, in front of shots and stuff, and I just thought like it reminded me in some aspects of how we were like under Karanka, We were just a bit, um, you know, more organised defensively in the right places to make those blocks, and I think you can definitely see that now. Um, and see that with the set pieces but we we do miss a lot going forward um and he he can kind of only work with what he has but i think that's why we're trying to utilize the uh the backs now yeah and
2: i'm gonna ask you a controversial question dana and i'm sorry to sneak it in but neil warnock tony pulis
1: much difference you said this in the group chat didn't you um they're not the same in terms of personality i will give neil Warnock; he is an absolute national treasure some of the things that he's (laughs) already is just gold um but i can see the comparison obviously he likes the physicality up front but he'll get the runners um down the flanks in behind i don't want to say that he's similar to tony pulis i think we are it is harsh on him because I'm convinced that if he had more time with his squad, he would get more out of it. And I think it's unfair to really compare him to Pulis because of that. But I can, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. I don't particularly agree, personally.
2: Yeah, it, it's, I wouldn't say I'm fully in the boat, but I think it's uh, well, its when so you so see... When you when you I think when you see like obviously the long balls and the long throw come back in set pieces more organised, yeah. uh, it just kind of screams a very similarity. I think mean, obviously is back to basics really in trying to use our strengths because I think he must have like dusted down Tony Pulis' Tony a uh, tactics book which he left and uh, just started looking at that and thought oh well you know this might be and this might be the, the the best way to get some out of the squad. Uh, obviously with, with Pulis, we were. Playoffs and then seventh, so it's like it wasn't that bad. But um yeah, I think I think he's trying to utilize those strengths. And uh but I can see, I can definitely see comparisons. But I think you're right there. I think if we had the right signings come in, if he wants to stay for another year, he's obviously having those conversations with the recruitment team. So who knows? um But he might he might have his own stamp on things. But yeah, from the from the outside looking in, if you're just watching the style of play, I think yeah, it is quite pulis esque But I'm not going to put it
1: in
3: that category just just yet.
1: He's not playing Dale Fry right back, which is a good thing. That's a good thing, at least.
3: Yeah, I was going to say that. He's not playing centre backs uh, a full back and Johnny House and right mid and stuff like that. At least he's playing people yeah. in the best positions. Yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> but speaking of, speaking of Dale Fry,
2: um, or Dale Fly, when I said that <laughs> on, on a podcast here on Tom, um, look. A performance to forget today for Dale Fry. Um the miss, the third goal, getting caught out of position quite a lot. Tom, would would you look to cash in on Del Fry in the summer? Because obviously in January we got offered a deal uh, from Burnley, I think it was ten million pound and then Gibson and we obviously turned that down. So is it if that deal came around again and we were still in the championship next season,
3: would you look to try and do a deal for, for Del Fry? I think it depends who's manager next season. Um, I'm only saying that because before we had Karanka as manager, uh, I wouldn't have thought, say, uh, Ben Gibson would turn out to be the player he was going to be. Or, you know, I think I think he improved George Friend massively at, at that point as well. Um, so if we get the right manager in, they can uh, obviously coach him right and, and make him a better player. Um, maybe improve his finishing so he's not launching shots back to 2003. But... Um, <laughs>
1: for <laughs> a breakdown bingo
3: <laughs> but um, yeah I think I think if we had someone in like well like what Warnock's doing now I think if he had more time he could improve that defence or say if we had someone like Karanka where there was a visible impact on the defence uh, then Fry could be a good player but I think over the last three years especially when we've sold Gibson as well I always heard that Dale Fry was supposed to be like the next big thing and and better than Ben Gibson, but I've never really seen it. I've seen him make similar mistakes every season. Um, I think you just need someone to, to coach him, right? and I think it just depends which manager we have.
1: It is a good point, because he has made a lot of mistakes, and it does get to a point where you have to say, well, he's not really a young, inexperienced player anymore. He's not really... This isn't the phase of him breaking through where you can give him a little bit more, you can cut him a little bit more, less slack. But he's, you know, he's been a regular, well, sort of regular for two, two and a half, three seasons now, and I, I think that's enough football to cut out those errors. And I think I, I completely agree with what Tom said there. If if we get the right manager in, he could improve, and I'd like to hope that he would. Um, under a
2: different manager, maybe. Yeah, well, it's 85 games now for Del Fry uh, since his debut in 2014. So, obviously, there's six years later. I uh, appreciate, it. obviously, that the 2014 was uh, a brief appearance and then he eventually made his scene, I think it was about 2015, 2016, I think, under the promotion season. Uh, under currently. So, he's been here a while now. Uh, I think you should hopefully try and see more of an improvement. I think, actually, I could have been wrong. I think his debut might have been and the promotion season, but he joined his youth team twenty fourteen onwards. Anyway, um, but it's an interesting debate, really. I think if we had a deal, you know, you could, you could, you could <laughs> deal fry, you could, yeah.
1: Oh, I'm so today.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, just maybe, maybe <laughs> I might turn might, might over Gibson if 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 the deal came off anyway, but uh. Speaking of goalkeepers, Tom, since you're a goalkeeping expert for on a Tuesday night against uh, in the Visual soft world, um, look, Dejan Stjanovic either has one unbelievable game or one controversially controversially poor game. Um, is it time for maybe Pez to come back in the frame and 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 go in, and go on the net, or would you
3: like to stick with Dejan? I think I'd probably stick with Stjanovic, to be honest. There's there's been games like especially against Millwall. Uh, where I've watched it and thought it reminds me of a young me, um, and then <laughs> <laughs> there's games like today. I, I think to be fair, there were uh, times where his positioning was spot on. I think there was one point where uh, it was that, that one where shot and bounced the ball off Savile or George Friend. I can't yeah, remember who it Saville. was, and yeah. and it rolled through, and and his position was spot on to make that save. And it has been spot on for a couple of other things, but then. There's been games like, say, Hull. I thought he could have done better with the free kick. Uh, I think he could have done better with the, the second goal today. Um, I, I suppose there's a reason. He's he's here and he only costs a million, really. Um, and he, he probably can still improve. But uh, I think he's probably got a little bit more shot-stopping ability, in my opinion.
1: I do think he's got potential to grow. Uh, I don't know how old he is. I think he's... I mean, he's not a young keeper. Um, is what I'm trying to say, but I think he's got room to grow. Uh, Neil Warnock has identified the fact that he's got issues within his game, and I think one of the issues is probably some of his—he um, he punches a lot instead of catches, which I think is a is an issue. Um, but he, I think he's got—he's definitely got room to grow.
2: Yeah, well, he's only twenty-six-year-old Dejan Stijanovic, and a goalkeeper tends to hit his peak when he when he's around thirty, thirty-one.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So
2: you know you've got five years there to to vastly improve, but he, you know he's, he has he has shown his his qualities. I think his shot stop has been fantastic at times. That Millwall save, um, you know, was absolutely fantastic, especially at such a critical time too. Um, but let's touch on Millwall a little bit now. Obviously, the 2-0 win was massive. Uh, moving and changing shape back to a 5-5-3-2. Five, uh, five, uh, Dana, I think with the change in shape, do you think that Mills would just look best suited to a 5?
1: Yeah, we did, but then obviously we lost today. So It's, it's a bad it's, day, yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, to be fair, Maddo was saying it on commentary to two different teams, and in fairness, I was not expecting more to put in that performance against Millwall, and I think we have to give credit where credit's due. Uh, I, was expect, I was quite worried because I was expecting that partnership between all you know, that combination of Jed Wallace and Matt Smith to cause us all sorts of problems but you know we got tight we limited the options for midfield into the final third and up to Matt Smith and the most important thing I think is that we were winning the second ball so the likes of Jed Wallace, Ben Thompson and Ryan Woods couldn't really get a, a hold of the game so Millwall didn't really have control of the match and it wasn't really until Connor Mahoney came on that they caused us problems and then obviously we scored um, just as they were getting into it so it was a it was a really good performance and what I was most impressed with actually was the application and the mentality because we all know the Millwall way it doesn't matter whether they have Kevin Muscat or Ryan Woods they're always going to be a dirty, yes, dirty team you know and it, it's important not to get sucked into their tactics and to keep our head above it and I said at half time that Jed Spence in particular needs to keep his head above it and he did um, we let the football do the talking and, and I think it was it was a really, really good performance.
2: Yeah, I thought Jed was marvellous against Millwall. I think today he struggled. I think he he wasn't he was a shadow of himself today. Uh Jed, I think maybe he was due maybe to the, the broken nose he suffered um, against Millwall. But Tom Britt three and four now. Uh goals against Hull, against Millwall, and obviously today as well. Um is it vital for us to try and keep him in some sort of form uh, towards for the running? And even past that season as well, if you know he's got a year left in his contract as well,
3: him scoring goals, it can only be a good thing, can't it? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, I can't remember the exact number they said the other day, but I'm sure it was like eight or nine goals he's on for, for this season. And obviously today has added another one onto it. And he seems to be on track to, to get into double digits again, which he's somehow managed in... Two seasons under Tony Pulis so and he somehow managed in this team as well, uh, so I think that just kind of shows that even even with the chances he miss, uh, he'll miss every year, he, he'll still get vital goals and he'll still get into double digits even in in poor teams uh, as well. So I think if he, if he can keep this up till the end of the season, it'll be vital for us. But also with the year left on his contract, if we can say like, look, he's played in three poor teams and got the double digits three times then it's going to uh, at least still keep his value up as well. I believe,
1: is he? Is sorry, Johnny. I'll um, just on. put this stat in here. Um, I believe he's Borough's top scorer in the Championship now, um, surpassing Scott McDonald. I think Scott McDonald was on 37. Uh, Britt was on 37 until uh, today's game, so he's now outright our top scorer in the Championship. So that's a good thing for him. And obviously the confidence is, is oozing out of him, so um, long may it continue
2: well do you think does a uh, do you think Brit deserves a little <clears throat> bit more credit
3: then definitely i mean i, I remember saying on on a previous uh, podcast maybe like we, like a lot earlier in the season that even though he does get stick for missing chances he's also in the position to to score a lot of chances as well and you see that in his uh, his goals how he's by the end of the season. To be fair, he could add about 10 more onto those if he'd finished uh, you know, easier chances as well. But he's still in the position to score those goals where we've had strikers in the past in the Championship who have just been absolutely useless. So I, I think uh, he, he definitely deserves credit for that.
2: Dana, I think you are going to mention something there.
1: No, I was just pretty much going to echo Tom's thoughts there. Um, yeah, he just gets thick, but... He's a championship striker and championship strikers can be incredibly inconsistent and incredibly frustrating. I know that I would rather have Britta Belonga on our team than to come up against him because he is a threat Honestly, Yes, he's frustrating and yes, you could question whether he's worth 15 million. I think if a team was to come in for Britta Belonga Britt now uh they, he, they wouldn't offer fifteen million. Uh sorry, my dad always calls him um ensemble bonga so now I'm a single <laughs> ensemble bonga so, you know thanks <laughs> dad but uh, you know <laughs> I would much rather us have Brit than, than to not have him.
2: Oh god Davy's catchphrases I absolutely love him. <laughs> I love well I need to get Davy I need to get Davy on the podcast. I have to do it. Really, really do. Uh, yeah, like Davy's fact of the week or something, or Davy's comment of the week. Just this little little thing like that, just dropping it in, It'd be superb, man. I feel like the podcast, our podcast world, just doesn't know or appreciate Davy, uh, Davy Malt, just yet. But uh, obviously, with that, I was gonna say about uh, Britt, his games completely changed from I think when we signed him. Um, when we did sign him, he had fast swingers on both sides. You know, he was known as that poor cheer. He would score from pretty much anywhere. He had obviously had that bad injury as well at, um, at Nottingham Forest, but he was still hit, always hitting double figures. He, I think he even hit double figures that season as well. He was out for six months, pretty much five, six months of it out of it. So um, his game's changed now, I think when he's came to Borough, obviously he's under Gary Monk, Pulis and Warnock and obviously get as well. He hasn't had the rub of the green with managers, you can kind of argue. Um, he's been mainly told to play back to goal for the majority of it, hold the ball up, let the team get up the pitch. And to still score ten ten plus goals in every season, I think is quite good. Um I think he's a ball right. I don't think we'd ever get fifteen million pounds for him back or fifteen, sixteen million pound and the wage bill that we're paying him. I don't think he'll ever get that wage again. Um but I don't but I don't think we'll get fifteen million back. I think if we were to sell him we could probably still get about ten, I think, eight to ten. uh I just think for the for the the record he's got. But anyway, his goal um obviously were Fletcher's as well, uh, brought Middlesbrough up to seventeenth no sorry, sixteenth in the away form table. Um uh, but home, uh, Borough are currently twenty-first uh, with twenty-seven uh, twenty-seven points, who are twenty-second, our Redden is who we play midweek. So the Borough breakdown curse will strike once again. Um and typical Borough will will have the but Borough are twenty first in the table. Six wins at home all season. Um, why? Why do you think Borough struggle so much at the Riverside this year? Is it obviously under Karanka we were formidable? You know we conceded eight goals in one season in the Championship season. obviously the Championship season. I think it's just <coughs> the lack of quality. Is it a lack of confidence? I think why Tom? Why Tom? Why do you think? Um, Mark had, had his question as well. Is why is there seemingly a psychological rootwood problem at
3: home, and why can't we seem to win? Uh, I don't know. I think it, it could be a quality thing this year. Um, I think tactically we weren't uh, like a very good team under, under Woodgate. I don't think you got a lot of things right tactically. Um, so at home, yeah, we, we have suffered, but I think we've, we've suffered away this season as well. Um, obviously you can't blame the fans getting on, on the backs for the last two games, but or not three games, but I, I suppose... Two out of the three, we would probably look at as difficult games as well. Um, know, it's, it's a difficult one, but I, I definitely say it's a lack of quality this season and uh, and definitely a lack of tactical uh, familiarity as well.
2: Yeah. Dana, um, now at home, points is 26 um, and our away is 21 um, points. And obviously, we've won more points at home than we have away. Uh, but do you think that? Do you think we were, we've been playing maybe too defensively in the home games? So I just think Borough have been found out by away teams when they're at home. Because we were very expansive earlier on in the season.
1: Yeah, we were. Uh, I mean, that's probably just uh, the naivety of, of Jonathan Woodgate, maybe, but. Percy, I think or I know that um, a lot of people were saying it was the toxic atmosphere at Riverside. I still feel as though that has played a part because there's now this defeatist mentality, and we should be doing better at home. And maybe that in therein lies the, the problem perhaps that um, there's that pressure plus the fact that we are where we are. We're in a relegation battle, we want to stay up. Maybe it's just the pressure. Combine to not only do well at home because you know it's it's your ground it's your pitch you should be dominating possession creating more chances being more of the the team that's you know taking the game to the opposition whatever but i, I don't know i still feel like there is a deep-rooted rotten mentality and maybe they just can't break away from it at the riverside it, it's very weird because we've been used to Having a really good home record, obviously, the I talk days. I don't think it was awful under Tony Pulis either. But uh, it's, it, I mean, it, it has to change because if we want to stay up with or if we want to progress, you've got to make your home form and count. And that's been one of many downfalls this season, unfortunately.
2: So, obviously, with that, um, obviously, one thing that we've seen. In, and what's seen being introduced over the last couple of games is that that huddle. Um that, that tea side huddle which was obviously introduced against Millwall. Um and I think it follows on from our conversation last week when we were on about leadership in the dressing room and looking like we some people have had a stern word or had that reality check. Um, do you think that that huddle showing there is togetherness in the team and there is that leadership quality there from friend and Do you think that's probably from better things to come to say, well, actually they're all actually all all on the same page?
1: I think there has to be leadership, hasn't there? I mean, Neil Warnock said it all throughout this week, stand up and be counted. And we did that against Millwall. Unfortunately, we couldn't obviously add to that um, against Bristol City. But there simply has to be that togetherness now because it is squeaky bum time, as people say. And this is essentially now or never. You either cave under pressure and don't stand up and be counted and risk having Borough in League One next season. Or you stand up, you be the leader and be the the voice from the shadows, essentially, and try to galvanise the players and the team as a whole. I mean, we don't have Grand Leibitter anymore, so we don't have that level-headed figure that's really, really grounded We still have players that, I mean, I watched the full 90 of the Millwall game and you could hear Clayton and Shotten and I think Friend being those leaders and, and that is what we need and it's it's been a long time coming. we I mean, I don't think a huddle is going to solve our problems, but it does show that there is that togetherness and there just needs to be that. There really does.
3: Mm. I wonder if um, what Warnock had said about there being no leaders in the squad, I wonder if that was to try and uh, spark a reaction out with George Friend because it did seem like the next game he was bringing everyone in for the huddle and then you could see him in in quite a few different camera shots here in that game. He was shouting at people and trying to organise and stuff. So I wonder if that was what it was. It was just trying to kind of spark some sort of reaction.
2: Yeah, it could be a case of like Friend just being too nice, I think. Uh, sometimes when you are too, and you get turned over, and I think people maybe started to lose respect for him. Obviously, we've been very critical of George this season. Um, a lot of fans on Twitter, uh, we know there's like a, a George friend brigade that just 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 don't seem to like him anymore. Um, which I think is a bit unfair. I think for what he's done, but I think it's more or less of a case. Well, we should be looking to maybe captain someone else now, or he could be a club captain. We have like it's the team captain. And, and move on from there but I'm going to move on I want to chat about Patrick Roberts a little bit because our comments have just been full of Patrick Roberts lately and a lot of grief um, he's been getting online Um, just regarding his performances he's being compared to Adam Hamill he's also been uh, compared to Jeremy Allier he's being compared to a lot of uh, random footballers um, and I've seen some wonderful tweets about him, which I can't really repeat um, on the podcast but uh, do you think Patrick Roberts, um, getting a bit of grief is justified, Tom. Um, It's mainly regarding his performances, not creating
3: enough chances, etc. Yeah, kind of. I was going to say when you were comparing him to players there, I don't want to kind of have this in the the wrong way, but it's kind of like Traore, but before Pulis got hold of him. Like, great footwork can beat his man, but there's absolutely nothing at the end and you're kind of shouting at the TV, just telling him to release it and pass it to someone else. Um, as well I think if he wasn't so honest and if he went down a couple of times we probably could have had a couple of penalties as well, not that I'm condoning that but um, but yeah I, I just think I've said it a couple of times in the last few games, he tries too hard um, I think he t- tries too hard to do everything himself where he'll get into a position there's potential to, to square it across to like Fletcher or Britt or something but he'll keep going himself and lose the ball or put it out a play Mm.
2: Do, you, do you agree? Do you think the the criticisms justified?
1: Yes, and I was going to say something about this after the QPR game, or the whole game. Um, I think it was the whole game, actually, because we were working it down that right-hand side quite frequently, but there was just nothing to it, and there was a tweet from, I think it was Rob Scott, that I, I put in the group chat. It said, uh, beginning to think Roberts is all fart and all shit, which made me laugh. Um <laughs> and-
2: <laughs> Good tweet, good tweet. <laughs>
1: I do think that's a perfect summary of him, and I would echo what Tom said there about him trying too hard. Maybe he's trying to make up for lost time, because obviously he was he was out for a considerable period. Um, but also, I do believe he struggled at Girona. I, um, I think I remember reading about he, he didn't quite hit the mark there, and then he went to Norwich, and he obviously didn't get a look in. So... I tweeted earlier, I think we're seeing the reason why Patrick Roberts is at Middlesbrough, because if he had the quality or was bringing to the pitch the quality that I think everybody says he has, and we sort of all know that he he does possess, he wouldn't be at a team struggling in in the bottom end of the table. I can't remember where we were placed when we brought him in, in January, significantly better than we than we are now
3: I think we'd won a couple of games over december and we like close yeah, to christmas won, uh, so it's probably improved
1: yeah i think we were like mid table ish towards the bottom but still sort of mid table um but I, my point is i think there's a reason why he's at borough and not a team challenging for promotion he's just not got that quality with his final ball but hey it's Borough, we, none of the players on our team have any quality with their final ball, so he he fits in, but yeah, I mean, he has struggled the past three games, and there's no getting away from that, unfortunately.
2: Mm. Okay, yeah, I think I, I agree about, uh, with both your points, really, I think that if we were just to criticise Patrick Roberts, I think it's a bit unfair, um, mm. I think, you know, he does create that half chance, he does create space, he does Create some sort of excitement, but I think you're right, Tom. He doesn't have that final ball. And I also think you're right, Dana, that um, he is all fat and all shit a little bit. I think that is that is that is pretty true. Uh, but obviously before the break, I thought he was uh, he was he was creating those chances. We looked a much better side with him in. And I think if we were just to criticise him so uh, solely, I think that's a bit unfair. um, yeah. I think I think in general this season we've not created enough chances in general. Um. We, we can't score for, for Toffee and we just we simply haven't been good enough. So I think he has improved things, but I kind of agree with people's frustrations with him as well. I think he just needs the arm around the shoulder. Um, don't try too much. Maybe look up, you know, try and, try and get the ball in around the box um, and, and try and link up a lot more with Fletch and, and Britt. You know, they are there. Britt's playing that, that game where he's trying to play back to goal a lot. He can play the one too. So trust your teammates and utilise them. I think that's what a lot of fans are getting frustrated with. Um but in terms of like Marvin Johnson, I know we mentioned him on the on the last previous podcasts, he seems to be getting a yellow card every every game. So I don't I don't know if he will be suspended soon. Um it's definitely the fourth or fifth game in a row he's got a yellow card, I'm sure it is. Um but I just want to chat about like the quality side of things of it and be a bit more positive because look, he's not a left back. He definitely is not a left back. I can't like stress about it enough, like it's just not his position. Um but I want to chat about his crosses um for me, I think his crosses this season have been real quality. Um, when he's had that opportunity, I think it's just a real shame, um, that we haven't been able to well, capitalize on them. I think today, like there was two or three good crosses that he, he put in. I think for mainly corners, but it's just uh, it's very, very frustrating. I think. But what I was going to mention is we've chatted about him maybe getting a potential contract at the end of the season. Would would you probably give him another year now and see what he could do in in his actual position and, and maybe on the wings?
1: He's for me, he's a do a job when a job is needed to be done player. I don't think that he's a regular starter, and I don't think he's really got the consistent quality to be a, a starting left winger or whatever, especially if there's you know Coulson in the side who's much quicker, direct, tricky. But I don't know, I mean, we kind of cursed him, didn't we, when we spoke and praised him? Like, yeah, we did. <laughs> so I don't know whether I'm gonna hex him again here, but um, it, it, it happened against Hull as well. Actually, his quality, his balls in the box. We're, were quality. It's just we obviously don't have the quality to. Um, I th- that was <laughs> yeah, there. We go. Um, we don't have the quality to to get our head on it and and whatnot. And it's disappointing because the one time that we do have quality into the box, we don't have the quality to put it in the back of the net.
2: I was going to say, your Manjaro's just turned up there. <laughs> there. <laughs> Trying to get your farm on before it comes, gets cold. <laughs> oh, God, Bora breakdown, bingo, strikes again. Um, I don't think we'll ever go to Manjaro, so I don't think Jed's ever going to score again, I don't think. So. We're a
1: bit reverse too late there with that, weren't
2: we? Reverse psychology, reverse psychology. You know, it's going to happen now. Um, but let's move on, let's chat about Reading. Um, obviously, the game... It's another massive game for us I think mean, now I think we how many points Tom do you think we need probably still up from the
3: last three games? Uh, probably six out of nine I think I, although I'd like to see us win all, all three but hopefully six is enough to keep us up
2: Yeah Dan how many points do you think?
1: I said four or five earlier um, before kick off. I'm thinking I'm leaning towards more towards five. I'd say, but I think it's going to go down to the wire. It's a crazy uh, relegation race, isn't it? It just epitomises the championship.
2: Yeah, no one seems to to want to win. I think three. I think four points will do it. Um, mainly just due to the potential of Sheffield Wednesday losing points, Wigan losing points, Derby as well. Obviously, Derby won't go anywhere near us, but they could potentially lose points as well. So, crazy to think that we could still, just because of default, really, but um, <laughs> I think four points will probably do it. Uh, but Dana, let's let's chat about Reading. What have you got for us?
1: I've just looked into their last game against Town, which they won. Um, good result for Borough. They played a 4-1, 4-1. They've got pellet in the side, which is interesting. Um, wow. I didn't know what... the playing? them <laughs> ultimate
3: team or something.
1: <laughs> oh, oh. Um, is this you
2: it's... in the passport saying he's like 22 or something?
1: <laughs> oh, um, But their their top scorer in this season is, is Yaku uh, Mite on 12 goals, then George Puskas on 11, uh, Lucas Zhao, who I think has a decent record against Borough from his time at Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> He's no um, new you in that sense, but I think he scored a few goals against us. Um, he's on six. John Swift is on five. Sam Baldock's on four. Um, assists, their star player in that sense, um, in that uh, category, is John Swift on ten. Um, Izaria is on five. Uh, Yaison is on four. Puskas on three and Tyler Blackett on three as well. Uh, the mid-table. I was looking into their stats. Um, it does scream mid-table. Um, They're pretty much in the middle of, of the teams in terms of aerial duels, pass pass accuracy, chances created, assists, key passes, etc. But we do not have a good record against uh, Reading, particularly away. I know obviously there's no fans there, but I mean we don't have a good record against Bristol City either, and that continued today. So. Um, this one's going to be a difficult one. I Unfortunately, I don't want to be a Debbie downer on this game. I, I can't really see Borough getting anything from the game. I would probably be happy with, with a draw. Obviously, we, we, it would be better if we win, but um, it's going to be like every game from now until the, the final game, it's going to be difficult.
2: Well, yeah, we're going to have to pick up points. Uh, I was um, speaking to the Tyler Stend, um as well this week and obviously the the, the Reading podcast, really, and they were just basically saying how crap they are. <laughs> and uh, I was like, you clearly haven't been watching us this season. So um, they're not happy. Obviously, I feel like they've switched off um, and I think that the most of the players uh, are pretty much one head, one well, not one head, uh, one eye is in Spain and one eye is on the football pitch. So... It's uh, can you imagine that? Just two heads. Um, <laughs> but,
1: oh god, <laughs> but yeah,
2: it's been one of those, hasn't it? Uh, but yeah, I think this is um, look, we have to go there and try and get three points. I like, think there's, there's no if if buts in maybe we, we have to get three points already. And I think it's a great chance for us. I think them and Cardiff, I think it could suit us a lot better than what Bristol City done today. Um, I think we really struggle against good footballing teams. So, I think, obviously, with, if you've got any bit of pace on you, I think you're going to tear our defence apart. Um, but I feel like we have a really good opportunity there uh, to try and get a result. But, Tom, what's, the, what's your
3: score prediction for uh, for Reading? You know, I'm going to be optimistic and say 1-0 to Borough. On, on paper, like with that form table stat that you you throw out earlier and stuff like that, if I was playing footy manager, it's the type of game, game I'd look at where I'm like, I'm going to lose this. Someone who hasn't scored since 1997 is going to get the winner or something like that. Um, but I'm staying positive, I think, 1-0 Borough.
1: But 1-0 I think it's going to be
3: early on and we're going to have to see it out and just to make it difficult for ourselves. Very much a shithousery performance. Uh, Dana?
1: I think I'm going to go for one all.
2: Okay, one all
1: I think decent. <laughs>
2: One off for then. I want to go two one to the boroughs as well. I'm being being optimistically today. I hopefully, hopefully it's not going to be as painful as today. I was like contemplating whether my what was worse my wisdom tooth coming through or the uh, the result today. And I thought the result today was probably a lot worse. Even though I'm absolutely med- medicated off to the gills. But uh, right, okay. Just before I, I sign us off, guys, I just want to go and go back to 2016 and put some records back across to you. Millsborough's home record um, in the promotion season. It was 22 games played, 16 wins, 4 draws, 2 defeats, with 7 goals conceded. Um, Millsborough were topped uh, in all 4 divisions um, with 52 points won from home, 16 wins, which was first, um, 15 clean sheets, 7 goals conceded all season. We'd not conceded more than 1 goal in the last 43 games, and finally, we won the last 26 games when we were scoring first. How the mighty have fallen. How the mighty have fallen. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for joining me. Um, and if you listen to the podcast on the podcast apps, um please leave a comment and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We can read that out on the pod and also chat to you direct uh, just to personally say thank you for leaving a comment on there. Um, And if you're not following our pages and you've managed to find us um, wherever you are, do give us a follow. We're very close to 3,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, But this is pretty much it. The Borough have had mixed results this week. A win at Millwall and defeat against Bristol. We travel to London. We don't get much there, as Neil Warnock pretty much knows. Uh, But hopefully three points on the road will get Borough safe. up the Borough breakdown.